Hey everybody, it's your favorite reconstructionist, Eric Brown and Phil Relly, and welcome to episode number eight of the only show bringing you tips and tricks to working vehicle collision cases from the best experts in the industry every Wednesday. Today's topic is, that's not going to buff out. So grab your expert angle coffee mug and settle in at three, two, one, off we go. Every year, traffic crashes claim the lives of over a million people and account for over $500 billion of injuries around the world. A small select group of people from police to attorneys to expert investigators are tasked with getting justice for the victims, protecting the rights of involved parties, and ensuring the story is told accurately and honestly. Unfortunately, we believe that is an impossible task without the right team of experts. If you agree, then keep on listening for actionable tips from leading experts across various industries that you can start taking today to elevate your professional game. If you disagree, then tune in anyway and let us convince you with our ideas. We are Eric Brown and Phil Rally, and this is Crash Tech, the expert angle. Welcome back to the show, guys. Crash Tech, the expert angle podcast is brought to you by Crash Tech Reconstruction Services. If you have an accident that you need answers for or you think the other side has it wrong, Crash Tech can help. Connect with us at www.crashtechreconstruction.com to submit your case for a free review. Phil, what's going on, man? Good morning to the guys up north. Yeah, yeah. All right. So today is a special show, guys. And it's not because our guest is special. He is sort of special. He's, mm. he's special, special to us. In our hearts. Mm. Yeah. So today we have a guest with us. Uh, we have Chris Wells, who is an accredited reconstructionist, uh, also in Ohio, and also does some work here for uh, Crash Tech. And anybody that's used us may have met Chris um, or talked to us on the phone. Who knows? Sometimes. So, Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. How long have you been a reconstructionist? I've been a reconstructionist now, what, since 14, so six years now. Had my accreditation for three. Okay. All right. And uh, you, you're a current police officer? Yep. Eight years now. All right. For a uh, for really an inner city department. Yeah. L- larger department. Uh, we got our own traffic bureau. Been there six of my eight years doing over a thousand crashes here in my short time. And now I'm in enforcement, ruining people's days, writing tickets. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes those are the fun days. So yeah, I get it. (laughs) But, uh, but you're also part of the uh, county's multi uh, jurisdictional crash team. I am. All right. So you still come out, even though you do enforcement, you still come out and uh, investigate fatals and serious injury crashes and stuff like that all over, all over the county. Yep. Still getting those late night phone calls. <laughs> all right. And now you've taken over running the training for the crash team. Yeah, I have. That's super fun. It is. I love doing the training part. All right. So today, and one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here. So Chris has a couple of specialties. Um, he has really taken an interest in pedestrian crashes. And so uh, he has done a lot of training when it comes to pedestrians, and uh, the last training he did for the crash team was doing vehicle inspections. So I thought this would be kind of a good show to combine, and since we've been going down the road of vehicle inspections uh, and CDR downloads and things like that, I thought this would be kind of a good place to put this show and talk a little bit about the importance of vehicle inspections and what we can find from the evidence and things like that. So. I don't know, Phil, what, what are your thoughts on, on this whole topic of vehicle inspections? Important, not important? I'd skip it. Uh, you know, no <laughs> don't even waste the, your time. Yeah, tow the car from the scene. If you if you can actually investigate the crash via Zoom, that would be the best way to go. But 
Just ask no, an investigator I, I, to hold up their phone and like do a walk around to the car on Skype. Yeah, that's good enough. Like that. Yeah, that's, that's good enough. Right. No, uh, vehicle inspections is is crucial. Um, depending on the case you got, you know, if you have a pedestrian case, absolutely. And understanding what it is you're looking for. I mean, the the, the shiny object syndrome applies to inspections as well. You know, you can get so attracted to this area of damage over here when that's really not where your focus needs to be. So just like everything else, um, know what you're looking for. And, and when you see it, what are you actually seeing? So being able to interpret what you're seeing too and how it applies. Very important. So, so what you're saying is, and, I think and I said what wrong, I said. So, sometimes the only thing we have to go off of is photographs because sometimes these crashes uh-huh. happen two years prior to us getting them and things like that. Right. And so can you do a limited visual inspection from photographs? If, if you got the right photographs, sure. Yeah. <clears throat> if you don't, right. it's very limited. But if you can get the access to the vehicle, what do you think? Just the exterior inspection, interior inspection, just as important. Absolutely. Okay. Chris, what do you think, man? Oh yeah. You got to hit the whole thing. There's what we had a rollover a while ago. Everybody's like, oh, I came out the sunroof, came out the sunroof. Me and you looked at it and we went, sunroof's intact over here. And he's laying before that. We're going, we look in, we're like, well, he hit the headliner. Yeah. But he definitely didn't go out that sunroof. Yeah. So you got you to gotta look at everything. So let's start with, because it's the most the, the easily, I guess, identify, uh, identifiable part of the car. It would be the exterior. So... On the exterior, some of the stuff that we can learn from it, especially if you have two cars, car versus car, right, is is how it impacted the other vehicle and how they interacted, right? And important because when you get into momentum and doing your calculations and everything, right, we're looking at angles, stuff like that. And man, I, I mean, I don't know about you, Phil, have you ever actually put two cars back together after they've impacted like at, at a tow yard? Not at a tow yard at our impound lot. I have before, yes. Yeah, and it's neat. I mean, they can they just they literally fit right back together like puzzle pieces. Well, and it also you can by doing that, you know, you've got your damage profile, and you can tell from that damage profile. You know, if you got one of your drivers that's saying I swerved hard to the left or I swerved hard to the right to try and avoid the collision, when you put them back together if it aligns up at a perfect, you know, 90 degree angle to one another, eh, there's probably no swerve involved. They may have, they may have had that thought of swerving, but never actually implemented it. Or you'll have, you can tell because of the crush profile that actually there, there was a swerve. So you can, I mean, it, it can help substantiate versions uh, of how the event fold or unfolded. Yeah. Plus on the tires too. I mean, if you get a big swerve event and we can get to the vehicle soon enough, especially on scene, once you start rolling the tires, you're destroying the evidence, but on a swerve, I mean, you're going to see evidence on the sidewall, the tires, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that. So yeah, I mean the, the faster that people can either get out to do the vehicle inspection or get, uh, you know, a a reconstructionist out to do the inspection, man, I mean, uh, so much the better. And, uh, and don't get me wrong, you know, vehicle inspections, this is one of the places, you know, and we've talked about the difference between reconstructionists and engineers and things like that. And this is one of the places that it, engineers will also shine equally, just like a reconstructionist, because that's, this is what they do is design vehicles and stuff, especially if you have an automotive engineer. Um, you know, this is this is one of their their strong suits. So, um, you know, as far as uh, 
as far as the exterior goes, I mean, Chris, you know, talk to us a little bit about, uh, you know, when a vehicle hits a pedestrian, I mean, what are we, what are we looking for? What's it, what can we learn from that? I mean, is there anything we can learn from it? Oh, those ones are, they're a wealth of knowledge because when you got that pedestrian striking that vehicle, it leaves evidence, clear evidence of where that body was going. When they hit the windshield, a lot of times you're going to find that hair in there. You're going to know, yep, that's that's where my head strike was. If the vehicle drives under him because he's just moving so much faster, you're going to see skin transfer across the top of that car. If he's running across the road, you're going to see him go from one side of the car, like the front left corner, all the way across the hood to the driver's side. I mean, it's going to tell you their momentum. It's going to help you figure out the speeds of the car. You, you really got to get that inspection in there. And I would say arguably on pedestrian crashes too. I mean, it's, you know, I would say your evidence probably disappears a lot faster than a car versus car. <laughs> it does. You want to get to them quick because we all know nobody's letting cars, putting them inside. So they stay overnight. That dew hits it. You've lost that skin evidence. It's It's gone quick. Yeah. So you want to get to them at the scene or very shortly after. You don't want them sitting for two, three weeks because you aren't going to have what you need. Yeah. Speaking, speaking of pedestrian crashes, craziest thing you've ever seen with a pedestrian crash. I would say mine would be, uh, we had a, a pedestrian crash actually for the city Chris works for. Um, and the, uh, the, the car hit our pedestrian so fast that it left an imprint of the, of his jeans. Cause he was wearing jeans and it left that fabric imprint on the front bumper of the car. Mm-hmm. You could still see it where the front bumper struck his leg. It was, it was incredible. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Craziest thing you've ever seen with a pedestrian crash on an inspection? Uh, on inspection? <laughs> Chris is like, I just look at the photographs. <laughs> no, no I, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> our city has a pretty good track record of uh, whapping pedestrians. So it's it's one of those crazy things, what gets normal to well, see. The, hold on, let me, let me clarify. Does the city have a track record or the drivers that the live drivers in the city? The drivers that oh, okay. live in the right. city have a track record. <laughs> uh, probably the craziest one is a recent one where, uh, yeah, it was the same thing. We just, you could see the impact where the leg and uh, I, I think the best one was probably the guy with the cane we had. The cane got hit and you could see the impact mark and we actually were able to take that cane and put it right up against and go, yep, this is the part of the car, 100%, no ifs, hands, or butts, yeah. it hit. That one was pretty cool. Phil, anything anything crazy you've ever seen during an inspection? Uh, <clears throat> I wouldn't say crazy. I think it's it's more of just what you expect to see. Um, yeah. The uh, way, to, way to bring me down. <laughs> nah, I, I would say probably. Phil doesn't get excited about it. The, 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 <laughs> the best for me, it, it, I guess, would be um, the uh, section of scalp and hair embedded in the windshield. No, uh, yeah. Those are. And it's, those, so, I mean, clear. That's just, it's so clear cut. Yeah, it's just no question, you know, what that is and uh, where where the contact point is, which is very helpful for you as the investigator and reconstructionist moving forward. I mean, it, yeah. it, it really aids in, uh, in getting you down the right path, which yep. we've talked about before. So on the exterior inspection, I mean, we, we touched on it, and I don't want to go too down – too far down the the rabbit hole here because we actually have a a show coming up where we're going to talk about tires 
But I would say arguably too, for me, one of the favorite, one of my favorite things that I look at when I do the exterior inspection on the vehicle is the wheels and tires because it's so crucial. I mean, talk about post-impact movement and stuff like that. And, and it makes such a big difference if you have a pinned wheel, flat tire, all your wheels are still free rolling. And, and me and Chris actually have done some testing um, with, uh, with tires that we did just like our parents told us to do, right? You know, where you overinflate them by 10% and we did tires that we ran almost flat and tires properly inflated and things like that. And, and the results were amazing. Yeah, that's uh, well. I think we even went to the max psi at one point that the tire. Yeah, we went pulled. to like popping point. Oh yeah. man, talk about scary when you start yeah. filling them up with air and then. <laughs> yeah, that overinflation. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. It was not the results we were expecting. Yeah, that and, was the. Yeah, and like I said, and we'll get into that in the tire show. It, it's neat though, but man, wheels and tires just have such a, a major impact on these inspections, um, as well as brakes. You know, and, and if you have access to the car, you need to make sure that your investigator is getting in there and pulling the wheels off and actually looking at the brakes of the car. Um, because that just it plays such a crucial role, especially if you had a loss of stability or a vehicle didn't stop in time and hit a pedestrian. Man, that it's, it's critical, absolutely critical to know, you know, if the brakes of that car were working properly, if they weren't, you know, things like that. Um, you know, and, and then you get into the uh, into the interior inspections. So interior, but and I think Phil, you had this class too, didn't you? The uh, forensic aspects. Mm-hmm. Do you yes. ever do the forensic aspects? Talk about blood patterns and stuff like that. I, I know I have. I've seen that. I don't know if I took the actual forensics. Okay. Yeah. Class. So we had we had one of I would say arguably, in my opinion, probably one of the top medical examiners out there come in and, and teach the class. I mean, Phil, I think you had the same same uh, medical examiner come in and teach it, didn't you? Yeah, no, I, I've actually consulted with that that medical examiner uh, yeah, yeah. a couple dozen times. I mean, what a, what a resource yeah. for guidance. It's, it's so crazy. So on the interior of the vehicle, right? And so in, in a vehicle crash, really you have three collisions that, that are taking place, right? You have the car versus car. Then you have your body versus car. So on the interior of the vehicle, let's just take a front end collision, right? So front of the car hits another object. Then your body that's inside the car is going to come forward and it's going to hit something, whether it be the seatbelt, steering wheel, dashboard, windshield, something, right? And then you're going to have the internal collision where your, your internal organs are still traveling forward at the same speed as the car. And your internal organs now are going to slam into the rib cage, front of the skull, things like that, right? And, and you're going to do that internal damage. And this is where you're going to start getting bleeding and, and things like that. And so on the interior inspection, it, again, I mean, it, it's so important. And a lot of people overlook it because they're like, well, it, you know, really, I just need the car versus car aspect. And things like that. But is it not important to know by your blood patterns inside the car and things like that? I mean, was this injury caused from the impact or did they have an injury that then just was dripping blood or was it, you know, an actual impact injury, things like that? So when you start looking at mechanism of injury, this becomes incredibly important, you know, and then plus, I mean, what else what else can we learn from our interior inspections that that are important to look at? Well, you can have, I mean, you have that <clears throat> taking your frontal collision example. Um, and you may have no blood, you know, and I've run into this a number of times where, um, the driver gets transported. There's no blood whatsoever. There's no open wounds. So the driver gets transported to the hospital. Then you get that phone call several hours later 
that the uh, the driver died and it was an you know an arterial bleed you know uh, something like that so what did they hit inside of that car hard enough that that brought you know the body in and of itself to a stop but yet the organs are still still moving um so you get that you know that tear of the arterial but i mean a lot of times you know that you see that more often with the older population um but you know with a younger a younger driver it's possible as well so you, you need to be looking at the inside of the vehicle to figure out where they would have hit what they would have hit yeah absolutely yeah, that's. I know we've had ones where, you know, you get there and people are out of the car and they're like, oh, I wasn't driving, I was the passenger. And you look Bingo. at that passenger seat, <clears throat> you mm-hmm. just see this blood sitting on the back of the seat and you're going, uh, if you're sitting there, how's the blood on the back of the seat here? It should be on you. Right, or or you have the drip patterns and the mm-hmm. drips are going across the passenger side of the car. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, things like that. I mean, that, that stuff, is, is. think about this in the civil route. Right. I mean, how do you know that you're actually coming after the right the right driver or being able to put a driver back in the correct seat to be able to determine whose insurance company's at fault and things like that and who's got the liability limits? And, and I mean, this stuff becomes really, really yeah. important, um, you know, Especially when, you're, when you've got the who's driving case. Yep. Yeah, who's driving cases are huge. And, and another resource that's available. And, and this is this is where, you know, when we when we talk about that stay in your lane, I think this is where you have. The, the actual investigators are out on scene. Um, this is where they start to shine because being able to, to have some of these resources, like for instance, if you have a, who was driving case uh, you know, especially on the civil realm, I think a lot of attorneys are not aware that, you know, we could actually go out to a tow yard and cut an airbag out of a car if it deployed and send it to the lab that's available for you guys on the civil side. Right. And, and they can do a DNA swab of the, uh, of the airbag. And if you can get a control through either a court order from the judge or, you know, anything like that, where the law enforcement agency had somebody or God forbid you have a deceased person, you know, we can always call down to the coroner's office and and talk with them and everything else. And if you have an airbag deploy and the driver hit the airbag, who's who's the only DNA that's on that airbag? It's going to be the driver of the car, because other than that. Prior to it, the airbag sealed inside the steering wheel. So that maybe the only other DNA that might still be on it would be the guy who installed it. You could still have a little bit of DNA transfer, depending on the the, uh, the movement of the car post collision. You could get some. Uh, you can get if you have a passenger or a rear seat occupant, you can have their DNA as well on the airbag. So you could have yeah, maybe plus the driver, but it's going to be a trace amount. So you're going to have. And, and it's going to be around like the exterior of the airbag. Cause like, if it's a backseat passenger, the seat's going to block like the center of the airbag. And it's going to have, I mean, it's been my experience. You're going to get, you know, I've had three different DNA profiles on an airbag, but the uh, largest concentration of DNA was, you know, uh, was, was X. So it, your large concentration is going to come from your driver. You know, your right rear passenger is not going to supply the, the 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 big concentration of dna yeah so you know that's well, no, good. That, oh, yeah. you know the other thing too that you can do is if the seatbelt was being worn you can cut the driver's side seatbelt out and send both <laughs> yeah. because you know think about the amount of sweat that's being collected in the seatbelt now 
you know, that seatbelt is going to collect DNA from other drivers that have driven the car previously. But again, just, you know, another, another mm-hmm. avenue that you can go down just to at least verify your results and things like that. So, you know, it, it's all about trying to, to accumulate as much evidence as possible. Because remember, again, the only standard that we're being held to is that it's more likely than not on the civil side. So, you know, that's huge. But for criminal defense attorneys that are watching the show, uh, you know, for you guys, I mean, think about that. Like, I mean, is that not the introduction of doubt? You know, if, if you've got your driver being charged with an aggravated vehicular homicide or something like that, and, uh, you know, it's, it's somebody that's taken the fall for the, for the actual driver. And, and not only that, but man, from investigating these, Chris, who is always, um, if you have two occupants of a vehicle, and let's say they have, they have killed somebody else, right? One of the occupants is deceased, and one of the occupants is still alive. Who's who's the alive guy always going to say was driving the car? Oh, the dead guy. Every time. Every time. Right? That's, I mean, yeah, the guy that was alive, he's never going to be like, oh, it was me. We, we, we had one, <laughs> walked away from the scene, left his buddy. Yeah. But he was still in the car. We got a shoe underneath the brake pedal. Well, lo and behold, our guy walking away that was the passenger, it's his shoe. Yep. Not really going to have your shoe under the brake pedal sitting on the passenger side. Yeah. And it so, it, it kind of reminds me the the case I had where, and Eric, you're familiar. I think, it, Chris, I think it uh, that case may have been before your time. But if you remember, Eric, the one that I had in southern Ohio where the, uh, the survivor got out and moved his girlfriend from the passenger seat, drug her around. Oh, yeah. Set her in the driver's seat of the car, and he got in the passenger seat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's crazy what people will do. Yeah, when when they're that when they have that deer in headlights moment, like oh crap, I might get in trouble for this. Yeah, you know. And so when you when you get into a civil case, man, this stuff is like it, it, it's so important because think about that. Like, man, wouldn't you hate for that information to come out during an actual trial? Oh yeah. Like your case is set. You've got everybody tied into this thing. You've, you've investigated or you've invested tons of time, tons of money, tons of resources, and then this comes out in trial guy finally breaks down can't can't take it anymore in his guilty conscience or, or whatever you know i mean it, it, it could just be so disastrous to a case so this is why it's so important to get this information up front at the beginning of the investigation you know and yeah. uh, and that's why the interior vehicle inspection we always look at seat position because it's kind of yeah. like if i try to get in the car after phil my knees are banging on the dash and I'm going, what the wow. heck is this little guy? How's he wow. see over I, the steering wheel? I think, but, I think he's calling uh, you short. For the record, I don't think Phil's that short. You're, uh, what, you're what, like 5'4", right? Uh-huh. Just sit there and have you. hot at height. You, you two just sit up there and collaborate. How about <laughs> but, that? But, 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 I mean, we've had that where the guy who's six foot tall is like, oh, yeah, my girl was driving and you see her and she is 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five, and you're like, yeah, I don't think she can reach the pedal with the seat where it is. Yeah. And it's, you know, you know and when it comes to interior inspections, I mean, it's very useful um, with injury, injury pattern lineup, you know, if, if especially in a who was driving case. And, and you'll, you have that a lot with uh, impaired driving crashes, whether they're fatality or serious injury, um, where people will deny being a driver. But, you know, if you've got a perfect, perfectly round head impression just ahead of the of the steering wheel in the windshield, going from the inside towards the outside, and the person who says they weren't driving 
you know, has glass and bed. I mean, it's stuff like that, you know, unless, unless, and and you never know, they could have been transporting a pumpkin during Halloween. True. True. But I I would say as long as it didn't happen in fall, like if it didn't happen (laughs) during like prime gourd season. Yeah. I I think you're pretty like Phil works the pumpkin fest all the time, I think. Right. So, I mean, if you have a crash heading there, you might, you might have some questions. Possible. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Along these same lines, though, that's why I think it's imperative to um, if you get to the scene, you know, and and for, uh, you know, I know I've always told officers that I've worked with or or collaborated with over the years. Keep your tow company out of that car because they're so quick to want to climb inside of it to put the car in neutral because it's easier on their equipment to drag it up on the rollback. But stay out of the car because that's an argument you're going to have. And, and, and for a PI attorney, that's something to think about. Yeah. You know, that your tow yard is going to be in it at the scene to get it on the rollback. They're going to be in it again to get it off the rollback. And then they're probably going to be in it again to, to secure it or, or throw stuff back in and so on. So how many wow. times you gone to the tow yard and had to unpack the front seat because they took all the debris from all the vehicles involved and shoveled it into the driver's seat. Yeah. yeah, and that's the one we always argue with our tow company. I'm like, you got trash bags, fill them yeah. up. Do not put that stuff in my car. Well, yeah. and so and so, think about that. You know, to to give a little bit of uh, you know thought process here for for the criminal defense attorneys that listen, and, and also the PI attorneys. You know, the criminal defense attorneys. One, if that car has been refilled up with all this debris, especially debris that wasn't from that car you know, is, is there any kind of evidence problems here? I mean, are are you starting to cross contaminate evidence and things like that? You may have that issue. And for the PI attorneys, same thing. Think about that when you're deposing your officers, right? And and, I mean, so you have a big evidence preservation issue. If if they're just cross contaminating vehicles and fluids and and possible DNA, all this stuff. this becomes very, very, very critical, this cross-contamination argument on a collision, again, who was driving, um, where the glass is – it's a summertime, either glass is broken out or uh, the windows are down or it's a convertible or a Jeep or what have you and the top's off. The airbags have deployed, and you throw it on the rollback and transport it down the road with the, the air from the, the movement of the rollback just blowing through the vehicle yeah. and just – blowing blowing dna evidence all over the place i mean it's yeah that's why like for us i mean i don't i don't know how anybody else doing uh, listening to this does theirs but yeah i mean like we always tarp our vehicles you know especially yeah. if the windows are broken out prior to prior to being moved you know and it's something to think about like i guess on a criminal defense side but you know for even a pi attorney um you know, the, the, there's this thought process of we got to get the roadway opened up as soon as possible. And that seems to be border to border, you know, coast to coast, you know, get the cars loaded up, get the scene cleared up. And, and, and then we'll investigate everything, one, you know, at the tow yard and everything else. Once you leave that, that that location, things change dramatically. Yeah. And you make it harder on yourself, you know, and, and from a from a stance of, you know, private reconstructions, uh, it, it really can complicate things for us as well, because evidence oftentimes changes depending on who all has been in the vehicle. Yeah. You know? Well, well, talking about the evidence changing, that was our training we did the other day. Cause like larger department and Phil, I know you've seen, you get those crashes. Who, who's our biggest uh, evidence 
destroyers. Oh man, we're gonna get hate mail. We're gonna we get, hate, we're gonna get we hate are. mail for it. Yes. So this hate mail commonly needs to be referred to as the evidence eradication team. Yeah. Exactly. So so this hate mail direct towards Chris Wells because he brought this up. This was not me and Phil, so don't I, blame us for this. <laughs> I, I did, but but the training I did, I actually brought them out. And uh, for those who don't know the evidence eradication squad, it would be the fire department. Yeah. Who come out and you know they got the main thing of anything life saving measures. So yeah. we know. They got to cut these cars. They got to get them. If they're on fire, put them out. So they're destroying it. I mean, you got the fluid out there. They're washing it away. They're washing blood away. They're cutting the car up, changing what it was like. So at the training, some of our departments don't get crashes where they cut them out. So they don't know what it looks like. So we brought them out and they cut a car up for us. And I mean, cut all the pillars, bent the roof back, cut the hood open. And that was kind of neat because, you know, typically when they cut the hood open, it's after the car's crash. Yeah. So it's crinkled up. So they come in and just cut one little spot. Well, this car didn't. So I got to see a new way of how they actually cut that. So if you ever see, like, your hood looks good, but there's a big triangle cut out the front, almost like an X. Yeah. That's what they do. Oh, yeah. If they can't pop the hood up cut, a little yeah. bit to cut underneath. To cut the last. So I thought that was kind of, I was like, oh, never saw that before. Yeah. Worst thing, a, the worst thing ever is there's nothing worse out there. Uh, than a police officer with a, with a search warrant and the backup of the fire department. Because I don't know about you, man, I have left cars in just heaps of tattered metal at a tow yard having to cut them apart to go after the airbag well, control they, modules. Well, that was one well, of the big <laughs> Yeah. The big thing is that, that I see um, a lot, and it just absolutely causes my blood pressure. They need another squad at that point for me. Um <laughs> is after the occupants have been removed from the car, you look off in the distance. One, you can hear the music in the background playing, the the theme from Rocky, and, <laughs> and you see the guy in his full turnout gear, you know, running in slow motion with the bolt cutters yeah. to cut the battery cables on the cars <laughs> after the occupants have moved out, and it's – uh, it, you gotta, you know, for, for, it, you know, for those that this podcast may ever get to that are in the law enforcement side, stop letting the er- evidence eradication team cut your daggone battery cables. Yeah. Once, yeah. once there's no more threat of loss of life, the scene yeah. is yours. Yeah. yeah. The <laughs> car is now mine. Get away from it. Yeah. <laughs> And so, you know, the other thing too is, and again, this is where post vehicle inspections become important. And remember we had that talk about choosing the right expert for the right job, man, if this is where it becomes crucial to send guys that have on scene experience out to do vehicle inspections, because we've actually had some on the civil side where the, the other side has hired an expert that has no on scene, no like live crash scene experience. And they document damage caused by the fire department, especially scrapes, gouges and scratches to the paint of the vehicle and we're like, oh no, it's because the the fire department, like a fender falls off the car during a crash and they just kick it across the road, mm-hmm. you know, or they, they drag doors after they cut them off and stuff like that. And so you have to be able to know what fire departments do on scene, what damage they cause to the cars, what it looks like. Cause it normally always looks the same. Well, I mean, it, it's that when it's jammed up and that door won't open all the way, sometimes yeah. they don't just come, they just do that brute force and pull it. Yeah. And yeah. Fender yeah. All open. So think about, think about crush to the side of the vehicle. So if, if the door latch fails during, during an impact, you can't do crush to the side of the vehicle. But so is it not important to know the difference between did the door latch fail during the crash or was it caused by the fire department? Yeah. 
expanding you know? it open and popping it. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you got to think about stuff like that. So as the attorney's listening, here's what I want you guys to do, right? Tips and tips and tricks. Like we always talk about uh, here. Here's, here's one tip. All right. That I want you guys to take away from this. So if the vehicles have been weighed after a collision, all right. And, and you're talking, you're deposing a police officer um, or the other expert, and they have used the weights of those vehicles that, that the department actually weighed after the crash. Okay. You need to ask them, was that vehicle filled with debris or not from the crash scene? Because that's the other thing too, is especially calculating momentum, right? A lot of places will shovel all the debris into one car and then weigh both the vehicles. Well, what have you just done to the weights of the vehicles? Change one, the one who didn't get any debris put in is now substantially lighter than it was during the impact. And the one that's now packed with all the debris is substantially heavier and it can throw all your momentum speeds off. Absolutely. So you need to be asking that question of, you know, if the vehicle was weighed, great. Was it weighed with the debris or without the debris and was additional debris added or not added? Okay. So that's one question that needs to be asked. And then if they say, Oh yeah, you know, it was, it was packed full of debris. There were bumpers and fenders and everything else shoved in the back seat. Okay. Simple follow-up question. What does a weight difference do to the speeds of the vehicles when calculated? changes them it'll all be the same <laughs> if you have them say that call me <laughs> so, um, but yeah so that's one thing there and here's the other thing too that that i just want to leave you guys with as soon as you get a case as soon as somebody signs up with you all right whether you think you're going to get an expert or not do us a favor and just send a spoliation letter to the other side and hold on to the vehicles just hold the vehicles because, and, and we've, we've talked about this with the CDR um, podcast, right? Is those vehicles are going to be gone. And if they're not gone, they've at least gone from the scene of the crash to the tow yard, from the tow yard now to an auction yard. Maybe we can go out to the auction yard, but how many times have they been moved? Drug up on a flatbed, dropped off the flatbed, carried around by a forklift, right? And everything else. And so send these spoliation letters and hold the vehicles where they're at. If you can still hold them at the police impound lots or the tow yards, hold them there. Don't let them go to the auction yards until you get out there and get them inspected. And, and one of the law firms that we, that we work with quite often is excellent about this. They'll call us and say, hey, go out, you know, do an do a inspection of the vehicle, take all the photographs, take all the measurements, completely document it, do everything you have to do to the vehicle just in case it ever gets moved. We don't even know if we're going to reconstruct the crash yet, but just go out there because you're talking what? A couple hundred bucks. Yeah. You get us out there to do a vehicle inspection. It's nothing crazy. And would you rather spend a couple hundred bucks and maybe not need us every once in a while, but man, spend a couple hundred bucks and how, how glad are you going to be that you did when you do right. need it? So think about that when you guys get these crashes. As, as soon as you sign up, don't wait. Send a spoliation letter because one, that's free. Right? I mean, you don't, I mean, you might have to pay your paralegal. But, you know, you're not wrapping up any cost in it and just get that evidence held for us, um, you know, or whatever expert you're going to use. So we're actually running up against our clock here. Phil, final thoughts, man. I'm tired this morning. Tired. Okay. All right. Fair enough. And, and Chris, man, we want to thank you for coming over and, uh, you know, good get, seeing you again, Chris. You too, Phil. It's good to be in here. Getting on, uh, so. getting on our podcast early this morning. Any okay. final thoughts you want to leave anybody with? I'm just surprised Phil hasn't come up and whapped you yet. <laughs> it's a long, uh, I it's, it's a long drive. 
<laughs> always, always threat of violence on this show. I tell you. <laughs> well, everyone, that's going to wrap it up for the day. As always, jump over to Facebook and make sure you follow and join Crash Tech, the Expert Angle Group. Also, if you want to leave us feedback, have an idea for a show, or would like to be on a future show, head over to Crash Tech Expert angle.podbean.com and click the link on the right that says contact the show. The form will come up, put anything that you want right in there. If you want more information on expert consulting services or training, visit us online at www.crashtechreconstruction.com. And finally, if you're a PI attorney, make sure you request to join the crash site Facebook group. Or if you're a defense attorney, make sure you request to join the crash site defense Facebook group. Neither site contains any ads or spam. It's just a private community that brings experts from all different areas together with attorneys to collaborate or ask questions. So again, guys, thanks for tuning in. And remember, always leave your accident victims better off than you found them because at the end of the day, everything we're doing is for them. 